I will be reading today from the New International Version, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13 through 20. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again for them. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, anyone who is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us that message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. May his blessing be upon the reading of these words and those who hear. If we are out of our minds, like some say, it is for God, Paul said to his friends in the Corinthian church. You know, sometimes I feel that way. Sometimes I feel like we're out of our minds a little bit around here, right? And to be honest, we get a lot of emails that suggest other people think we're a little out of our minds too, right, Dennis? We get a lot of <laughs> we get a lot of funny emails. Well, Paul Paul was facing his detractors, who apparently thought he was out of his mind, and he what he seems to be saying in this letter to the Corinthians, among a lot of other things, is that the changed lives there in Corinthian church are a testament to the validity of Paul's ministry. As I said a minute ago, there are many times when it feels like we're out of our minds, when we wonder whether what we are doing as a church is really going to be effective, is really going to to hit where we need to hit? Is it really going to honor Christ in the way we hope for? Is it really a mission worth doing? And some have thought we were out of our minds a little bit in being the kind of church we are. And I looked at our, if you go to our website, the very first thing you see is an identity statement that we adopted several years ago about who we are as Baptists. And sometimes people look at that, especially anyone who kind of has ideas about what a Baptist is, and they think, these people are out of their mind. (laughs) You know, they say we're out of our minds because we worship 
an inclusive Christ, and we invite all people, regardless of color, gender, sexual orientation, or station in life, to be on their journey of faith, exploring what it means to follow Christ together, deliberately working to make room for many different perspectives and life experiences, young and old, different cultures, different faith experiences, all coming together and sharing the richness of our faith with one another. Now, a lot of people say, well, that sounds nice, but statistics tell us that's not going to work. Young people like to worship with young people, old people like to worship with old people, and ne'er the two should meet, really. The, the best you could do is have two separate services uh, going on, one which has loud music and one which has an organ, and then you can come together and have dinner or something, you know, at a different time or something like that. They think we're out of our minds. They think we're out of our minds because we are less concerned with doctrinal statements and more concerned with seeking the wisdom of Scripture, the wisdom of our traditions and our own, the wisdom of our own faith experiences, all balancing together to make sense of our lives today and counting on the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us. People might say, well, you're out of your mind. You need to be clear about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And you've got to have very clear statements. And you've got to get everyone to sign on to those. And that will tell you who's in and who's out. You've got to have very clear boundaries about what it means to follow Jesus. And very clear language about that. And you shouldn't really let people kind of decide those things for themselves. Or, or work it out in tension with one another. They think we're crazy. They think we're out of our minds because we say whether you're a believer, a seeker, or a doubter, we invite you to develop and foster your faith in an environment that is encouraging and safe and grow at your own pace and feel free to ask questions and wonder and even come here one day going, you know what, I don't know if I, today it feels like all this is just a load of hooey. But I'm here. People say we're out of our minds because we see faith not as something we have, but as something we do. Loving beyond our congregation to the community and the world. Not to manipulate people to becoming one of us. Not to say, not to hand them something and then grab them with the other hand and yank them in but merely to do good for the sake of doing good and to make the world a better place. And you say, well, how are you going to grow your congregation that way? That's crazy, Pastor Curtis. And they say we're out of our mind because we don't claim to be the only way to be in relationship with God, but focus on the life and teachings of Jesus Christ, seeing Christ as the lens through which we make the sense of the world and God's activity into it. Because we, we don't have to uh, delegitimize someone else in order for ourselves to be legitimate. We don't have to tell someone else they're wrong for us to, f to be right. That we can tell our story and our story is compelling. We don't have to put down everyone else's story for people to find the truth within our story and through the life and teach and the truth within the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. We can appreciate other forms of worship and other ways of being in community with God 
and still hang on tightly to our story and tell it because it's a compelling story. We don't need to force it on anybody. Amen? We've been out of our minds as an inclusive, progressive voice in Salt Lake City for over a century and something, a century and a quarter, almost coming up on 135 years, building on that tradition for over, uh, which I, personally I find that amazing. This, this, this church is run by lay persons, right? I know I'm, I'm the paid professional, but I just stand up here and say things. The church itself runs because people who are not professional organizers organize around these, this mission and these identities. And they say, we're, we're a community focused on, centered on Christ, focused on making the world a better place. Some would say we're out of our minds. Others wouldn't. I, I personally think we're not out of our minds enough. I, I think these things don't go far enough. I think we're called to be even more bold and to have God-sized vision for what we can do. Some would say we're out of our minds. But Christ compels us. Amen. Paul says to the church in, Corinthian, uh, in Corinth, Christ compels us. To behave this way and to be this way. It's because Jesus has a vision for the world that is radical. Crazy even. And yet we can't help ourselves but be captured by this compelling vision of the way the world could be. A world very different from the one we live in now. Grounded in the life and teachings of Jesus, we seek to do nothing less then transform the world to change it dramatically from this world to a place that is very different than it is now, but a place that is better for everyone. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Paul gives us our rationale in this letter. One died for all. Not some, not just a few, not just the privileged and the beautiful, not just the downtrodden and the left out either, but all, everybody. One died for all. And therefore, Paul tells us, no longer are we to regard anyone in the way the world does. No longer are we to look at people and see what's wrong with them or see why they're different than us and why they're worse than us. No longer are we to see people and look with judgment on their lives and the way they are. No longer are we to look at people and, and go from the, the outside. But we are compelled to see people with Christ's eyes. And see in them the things that God sees in them. This is what Paul means when we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, to make a way for people to enter into a deep and abiding relationship with God through the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. This is our calling, to bring people's lives to the compelling love of Christ. I would say that this ministry 
this ministry of reconciliation, that we are called to help mend the relationship that people have with God, to mend that relationship between God and people and between ourselves. Very much we need this ministry in the world we live in today. More people are leaving the church than ever before. More, you know, the more division is happening within the, the country and in the world. There's more hate and ap or maybe even apathy is even more the case. People are leaving the church more than ever before and they're leaving because they have been told in one way or another by churches that God really doesn't love them. Now they don't come right out and say that, but the message has been clear. Well, God really can't love you and really can't abide with you. And then some people wonder if God does not really love anybody or doesn't really love everybody. And so they either stop believing in God altogether or they decide that God has written them off so they stay away. This is a difficult ministry in the world we live in today. And some would say we are doomed to fail. In fact, a lot of a lot of the church leadership writings and a lot of the things are basically saying, whatever you think church is now, it's going to be gone pretty soon. And I would say that's, that's probably true. It's a cautionary tale in that the church that we've thought we knew is indeed going to be gone. But the heart of what we are about, at the heart of what church is about it, the heart of what faith community is about, that will continue on. That will keep going. It's a difficult ministry, but a vital one. They said that to Paul as well. And Paul said in chapter 3 of this letter that we're, we read today, that the people whose lives have been transformed by his ministry is a witness to its veracity. They said it was going to be doomed. Paul said, no, look around. Look at the lives that have been transformed. Look at the reconciled relationships between people and God. Now, Paul advocated a very, the early church with Paul advocated a very radical new way of being. In the first century Jewish world, people didn't gather together men and women. People didn't gather together uh, free and slave. People didn't gather together Jew and Gentile in particular. They all had their own separate things. Paul says, no, no, no. Within the body of Christ, we are one. And it was radical. It was crazy. And it, was, and it caused all kinds of problems. Paul, in a lot of his letters, he's addressing very practical problems of having this radically inclusive lifestyle. And he has to deal with all of the upsets that happen when you try to bring people together. And what Paul says in chapter 3, in defending his ministry, he says, Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? But he says this, You yourselves are our letters written on our hearts 
known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter for Christ. The result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. In other words, what he is saying is all these people who have been moved and touched by our ministry are proof that God is at work. Amen? And if you wonder if this ministry is not accomplishing much, if you begin to question how important or effective this church is in the ministry of reconciliation, I would point you to the many lives that have been transformed, not just touched, not just inspired, not just moved, but transformed by because we are living out that vision of church that makes us seem out of our minds. Sitting in our pews are people who are, were so wounded that they vowed never to set church foot in church again. Yet here they are. Amen? Sitting in our pews are people who were told in no uncertain terms that they were unworthy of God's love. And yet here they are. Amen? Sitting in our pews are people who have carried the weight of guilt and shame induced by the church of their youth. And yet here they are, worshiping God and feeling that burden lifted off their shoulders, learning to walk with God, learning to run with God, learning to fly. Amen? Sitting in our pews are people who never dared question or doubt because they were told to just believe. And so they stayed away. And yet here they are with all their questions and doubts and bringing, their, bringing it all before God boldly. Saying, I don't know, but I'm here to help find out if I can figure it out. And here they are. Sitting in our pews are people who had thought they weren't allowed to think for themselves. Sitting in our pews are people who had lost hope. Sitting in our pews are people who thought that their sin was bigger than God's love. Sitting in our pews are people who didn't think they needed a relationship with God. Thought they could do it all on their own. And yet, here they are. Here we all are. Worshiping together. And trying our best to sort it all out. Because faith is a complex and complicated and gray thing at times. Thank God we have each other to help sort through it and get us through the lean times. We're all here, gripped with hope and compelled by the love that has been shown to us by this church. That is the testimony to the work that God is doing in our midst, the transformed lives that we see here every week. And not just in the pews. You know, it's great when we can find people gathering here, but we bring this ministry of reconciliation out into the world. And, though, and through our efforts, we have made the world a little bit of a better place through the lives that we touch. Uh, many of you know that I'm... Pride Day, I go down to this festival and I pray with people. 
And a lot of, a lot of folks think that's kind of funny. Like, well, especially when they've had a few. Toward the end of the day, I get a lot of drunk folks looking for prayer for various things. But, but they always think it's kind of funny. Or that it's some kind of joke. Like, oh, <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll, have a, I'll listen to your prayer or whatever. But we hold hands and we pray together. People who will never see in this church. But we pray and they ask for prayers for their family. They ask for prayers. Most of often they ask for prayers that they would find love. Or that they would be the person they want to be. Or that their life would be better. And we pray And I always pray a prayer of repentance for people who have been wounded by the church. And I pray on behalf of the church and I apologize. And I pray for God's forgiveness for us. And I vow that we will live every day trying to right the wrongs and reconcile human beings to God again. And many of those prayers end in tears. But to the person, they walk away going, Wow, that was... I've never prayed before, but that was pretty good. I like that. Or they say, I haven't prayed in years. Or they say, I pray every day, and it was so great to pray with you. Those folks will never set foot in the church, but here we are, out making a difference. Transforming lives, even in small, little Ways We bring this ministry of transformation and reconciliation out into the world to those who are left behind. You know, we need this ministry in the world we live in today. And you're wondering why I'm tooting the First Baptist horn today. It's because today is our day, and this is kind of, if you're a visitor here, this is kind of, we're kind of doing some house, in-house stuff, but it, it is our pledge Sunday, too. You've gotten a, if you're a regular attender here, you got a letter from the church asking how you're going to support this ministry. And I, I guess I felt today like, you need to know it's about the people. We spend a lot of time on this building because it's, it's old and it's beautiful and it's worth keeping up. And it's sacred space. And it gets used a lot. Every time I'm, every time I'm talking to, uh, you know, when someone new comes into the building and there's, there's like 30 things going on at once, <laughs> people are always commenting on, holy cow, this place is buzzing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I have no idea what's going on half the time, but there's, all, there's always people here. Because we see, we, have a, a resp- we feel like we have a responsibility. We're taking up a lot of real estate here. To be the, the, the community center, if you will. But beyond that, beyond the building, beyond the, the nice things we do for the community, it's about people. It's about lives being transformed in ways they've never been transformed before. It's about people who have carried heavy loads with them, letting those loads go. It's about people getting through the tough times, not on their own strength, but on the strength of God and the strength of our life together. Amen? That's what we are supporting, not just with our money, 
but with our time and our effort and our ministry of showing up and being here together. So important. And we're fighting a losing battle. And we've got to be more and more out of our minds. <laughs> we've got to be even bolder in our love for people. We're going to really get through the noise and transform hearts. And so I invite you today, and, I, and if it sounds like I'm a little nervous about it, I am a little nervous. And I'll tell you that, I'll be honest with you, we've, we've lost some folks this year. And that's going to affect us. Uh, in, not just in dollars and cents, but in what goes on here and who does what. We need to continue our ministry together. And in order to do that, we need to all come together and make it happen. And recommit ourselves on this Thanksgiving Day to all that God is doing in our midst. Let us pray. Our loving and gracious God, we thank you in so many ways and for all that you are and all that you do in our midst. We thank you that we live transformed lives and that we have this community to help us get through the lean times and the difficulties of life. Help us, God, to commit ourselves to the ministry that goes on here that transforms other lives. Not just taking what we have and being blessed by it, but blessing us that this world might be transformed by your love. We ask this in the name of Christ.